Today's Coffee Connection is Tony Jackson, German master's graduate and voiceover artist from Arizona. My name is Hani Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Tony shared his strategies for engaging with German, Germans, and German culture from the U.S. For Tony, his German experience was limited to immersion at home because as a student with a disability, he was faced with challenges that prevented him from studying abroad. Despite that, he completed a master's degree in German and worked as a teaching assistant. We discussed whether you can be an authentic language teacher when you've never actually spent time in the country where the target language is spoken. And finally, I asked Tony how to approach someone with a visible disability. And now, have a listen. I'm Tony Jackson. I'm a voiceover artist living in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm excited to be part of this DAAD podcast today. Yeah, and you're actually, when it comes to Arizona, you're one of the very first contacts because you were a Arizona State University German master's alumnus, and I was an incoming student in 2011. I remember we had some get-together, like the alumni and then we met with the new ones so you're one of the first friendly faces i remember from the the, the first early days uh, those hot very unusual for me days and in, in in arizona so it's nice to actually connect and i can't believe that that's almost 10 years now <laughs> it's been a decade now which is amazing to think about Yeah, definitely. So we met through the German program. Tell me a little bit more about your German connection and how you got interested oh in goodness. German. <laughs> This is actually an, an interesting story. So it actually- Good, goes, those are the best. Yeah, oh man. So it goes back to my sophomore year at the university and a group of friends and I were playing a game of risk Actually, a different form of risk, but everybody knows the board game of risk, global domination and all that stuff. So we're playing a game one night and two of my friends are twin brothers. And when they were in the eighth grade, they had spent six weeks in Germany on an immersion program. And so they spoke it fairly well, at least well enough that they could understand each other. So we're playing this game of risk one night and they both realize that neither one of them can win on their own. So out loud in front of everybody in German, they started devising a plan of how one was going to take over the other. And then with the combined armies beat everybody else. And sure enough, they won the game. And I was so upset that they won this game. Okay. I was, oh my goodness. It, it, it burned me so bad. And so fast forward a couple of years, I was out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided to go back to Arizona State University and pursue a degree in broadcast journalism because people had always told me, oh, you have a good voice for radio. You ever thought about doing radio and all of these other things. And so I finally listened to everybody and decided to go back and pursue radio, but I needed a new foreign language. And that moment, that night, that game of risk influenced me to study German because I, I said to myself, they will never, ever do that to me again. <laughs> and so I took my German 101 class and I loved it. I loved everything about it. You always hear the, the, the myth that German is a harsh language or it's a hard language to learn. And I did not find that to be true at all. I loved all of it. And, and once I took my first German class, I just 
kept going with it and I started immersing myself in it more and started learning about the culture, started watching the Bundesliga and, you know, (laughs) listening to, you know, German radio online and watching German TV stations online and just, just taking in as much as I could. What's your Um, favorite team? Um, I don't want to say because everybody will hate me because I'm a bandwagon American fan. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it at that. And you said you, you tried to immerse yourself and you mentioned soccer games and radio shows. And what, what other things did you do to oh my improve goodness. your German? So one of my favorite teachers, and no offense to any other person who was my teacher during my, my German studies journey, But Nick DiCarlo was uh, one teacher who really stood out to me. And I'm still friends with him to this day. He saw that I I had a passion and I was magnetized towards the German culture and the language. And so we would meet sometimes outside of class and we would work on my pronunciation and we would just speak in German. And he would help me with things that I wasn't quite understanding. And it was really helpful to me. And as you said, we had met up at those um, Stammtisch, right? Every mm-hmm. every once a week, we would get together at a local bar and, and hang out and we would all speak German. And that really also helped out a lot. And with Nick and, and doing all of those things, it really helped my pronunciation. And a lot of Germans that I, I run into say, wow, your pronunciation's pretty good. So I just tried to do as much as I could, just, just to learn as much as I could. When you went back to school, was that a, a, on the bachelor's level or master's level? Well, it, it was on the bachelor's. I, I've gone to school more times than anybody should. <laughs> All right. In, in fact, I won't get into this rant, but I recommend everybody go find a job first and then find something you like. And if you need more education later, then go to school. Don't mm-hmm. do what I did. But so I went back for another bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism. And I loved German so much. Get this. I loved German so much. I decided to double major in broadcast journalism and German. I added the German part later just because I said to myself, wow, I love this. And so I took 200 and 300 and 400 level classes. I was just so enamored by the whole thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were actually teaching assistant at some point, right? I was, yeah. So this is, an, this is another story. So I was living in Virginia at the time and, and I needed to, to get out and I knew I could come back to Arizona. And so I said, what am I going to do? How am I going to get back? I said, I know. I already graduated with a bachelor's in German. Let me see if I can do a master's program and become a TA. So I applied. I was accepted. And so, yeah, I did that for two and a half years. Looking back now, I will admit, I hope nobody who knows me is watching, but I wasn't all that good at it. And it's hard. And I understand why now, especially doing voiceover, one thing that is constantly repeated is authenticity. Mm. And you might be asking this question later, but I'll, I'll bring it up now. I, I have never been to Germany. Still to this day, I have never set foot in Germany. But I did as much as I could to learn about the language and learn about the culture from my friends, you know, people like you and all of my fellow TAs and everybody else who I know who is a native German to know as much as I could about it. But without actually being there and spending time there, there is a certain level of authenticity that you will never gain. Mm -hmm. And so my teaching was very mechanical. It was very technical because it was all I know. It -hmm. still is all I know. And so it just, I'm glad that nobody hated me. None of my students hated me. Um, In fact, I think- Well, I'm sure you were a great teacher. That, you know, maybe, maybe I was, but, but I, I always felt in the back of my mind that I lacked 
a certain level of authenticity because I've never actually firsthand experienced the culture on a day-to-day basis. Like I didn't live in Germany. I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything in Germany. But I do find it, and and we'll get to the why you've never been to Germany here in in a few minutes. But I, and especially when when I approached you and and, and wanted to know um, your experience with Germany and why that I wanted to do an interview with you is because there are so many students who are really passionate about learning a language. And of course they would like to maybe go to that country, but they don't have that opportunity. And I think you're a great example of just trying whatever you can, like online, like watching the news and soccer, and then also engaging with Germans in Arizona, because even though you may not never have been to Germany, I think just, talking to Germans that are there and, and engaging with them. It, it's you, you do have the experience with, with Germans. I mean, it's very selective, of course, but I guess there is no question in that, but I do, I do find it really interesting. And I think it's worth noting also because there are so many students that are really interested in learning the language, but for whatever reason, um, I mean, money is one thing and then other circumstances, you may not be able to go. And so that is something also that I wanted to highlight is that maybe you want to go, but it's not possible, but there are other ways to engage with the culture. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that and and how you did that. And then maybe also how you talk to your students about that, uh, because I assume they did ask you if you've been to Germany. Yeah. So as I said earlier, once I started learning the language, I really started immersing myself as much as I could. And, and I mean, this is such a wonderful time to be alive because we have access to the world at our fingertips. And so I found German radio stations that I listened to. Actually, in 2005, um, when I was still doing undergrad work, there was a German radio station in, um, I'm trying to remember where it is it's it's somewhere near Köln I don't remember it's, it's like a town near Köln I don't remember which one it is right now um Saarbrücken I think it was right so anyways a radio station out there I used to listen to their morning show um at like 10 p.m because you know it's morning there right mm-hmm. so and I would email them every once in a while and I would send in requ- like song requests and stuff and I would I would email them in German right just you know, I didn't really know anything but you know they they you know they would email me back and say hey you know vielen Dank and all these other things and thanks for listening and and one day, this one of the, the hosts said, hey, we like to feature listeners from around the world. Would you like to interview with, with me? And I was terrified because I knew this interview was going to be in German. And, but I said, yeah, let's do it for sure. And so we, we met over the phone. He called me. And we had- a, That was a before the Zoom, the Zoom calls. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> And he called me and I recorded it at home. I still actually have the recording saved somewhere. Um, And we did it. And I just remember I I was stumbling through my words and like my grammar is terrible, but it was, it was fun and it was cool because I was connecting with somebody in Germany, you know, living there. And and I I just remember it being super fun. And I played it for my students every semester just to kind of let them know that, Hey, you're not going to be good at this at all but that's okay you just have to go out there and 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 do it just to encourage them to to be free when they were in the classroom to to speak it even if they were going to mess up 
but yeah, I mean, I just like, again, I just immersed myself and, and, and just took in as much of the German culture as I could. And it, and it is possible, even if you don't go to the country to learn about the culture and, and make friends with people who are from that country and get little pieces of the culture through them. Yeah, and I think, I mean, on, on the one hand, you could say you have that deficiency and you're, you're not authentic, but I think for a language learner, you're exactly that you're authentic because you're in their shoes and you've, you've been there. And in a certain way, um, since you're not the native speaker, since you have lived there, you, you know exactly how they feel and they, and in that case, you are very authentic because you're a language learner yourself. Um, because sometimes what I found interesting is that as a native German speaker, sometimes they would ask me questions like, why, why do you say that? And then I had no idea because to me, it's just natural. And I never thought about that. Um, so sometimes having a non-native speaker as a teacher in certain instances is even an advantage because they can really also when it comes to grammar and and certain words they they know exactly where the students are coming from because you've been in that same position certainly and you know it's interesting that you bring that up because again my knowledge of the german language is very technical and very mechanical but i will say and it's interesting again that you bring up this point because through learning german I began to understand English mm. so much better because like you, I don't, I don't know why English rules are the rules. I just know them because it's my native language, but through understanding German and understanding that English came from German and is a Germanic language, it understanding that language made understanding English easier. And now I have a better grasp of the English language. I mean, it, it's fascinating. It, it really opened up my mind to the English language, learning German. So I, I think you're right that being a non-native speaker and being a native English speaker really was an advantage in a certain way because, like you said, I can relate to all of my students because all of them are also non-native. Yeah. So you mentioned you've never been to Germany, and let's talk a little bit about that why that is because that I, I think is also a very important conversation to have to potentially also open up the conversation and what could be done for students that were in your position to really allow them to study abroad and get that experience so when i when i was in school as an undergrad in the in the german program they have an exchange program with uni regensburg and i i was like i need to go to regensburg that's what I have to do. And so I knew it was going to be a challenge because uh, for all of you watching this podcast or listening, I use a power wheelchair. So I, I don't have the ability to walk or use my arms or, or legs at all. And so that means that I require the help of others to allow me to live my daily life. And that meant that I would need to figure out a way to find caregivers while I was studying abroad in Germany. I looked at my insurance here at home to see if they would cover the costs and they wouldn't. And so I started doing research about insurance opportunities in Germany, caregiver opportunities in Germany. And it was extremely difficult, partly because I didn't know where to look and, and partly 
the places that I did look weren't a lot of help. I could buy insurance that would maybe cover the cost of it, but it was an exorbitant amount of money to cover those costs. I I was able to, to do the actual exchange program, but the added cost of a caregiver made it prohibitive and impossible for me to go at the time. And I tried for almost a year and I was having conversations with folks at the university. I was having conversations with people um, at insurance companies. And I, I just did not at the time see a way that I was going to make it happen. And I really at that time felt like I missed out on a great opportunity because I was in school and I, this would have been a chance to immerse myself in the language for six months or a year. My original goal was to go for a year because I really wanted to live that life. And, I, and, it, just, and it just never happened. And I mean, it's still a goal of mine to go now to this day. And I would have had an opportunity to go to Austria next month, actually this month for um, a power soccer tournament, which would have been as close to Germany as mm. I've come. But thanks, COVID-19, I'm not going now. So, um, so, that, so that was really the challenge for me that people with disabilities and people mm. with high level disabilities like mine, um, who require care on a daily basis, studying abroad is an extremely difficult process. And, and to be honest, I don't know what the process is like now. I know there are organizations out there that help students with disabilities achieve these goals. Um, but my, my needs were so high, they still are, that it was just extremely difficult to, to make that happen. So I'm hoping that students now who are in a similar position that I am um, have an opportunity to go study abroad because I think it's crucial when you are passionate about a language to go to the country where it's spoken. So without pointing out potentially faults of the um, Arizona State University opportunities, but um, did you, how did you communicate with the disabilities office and uh, potentially what was available to you through them? The Disability Resource Center at Arizona State, I mean, they, they, they were really limited in their knowledge about what was available because their main purpose is to make the learning environment accessible for students there, right? Mm -hmm. it, their focus is on campus and not necessarily overseas or, or other extracurricular opportunities, right? Their main focus is to make sure that students with disabilities on campus have what they need to succeed. And they do a great job of that. But the resources to help students with disabilities who want to study abroad, like so many other students without disabilities do mm -hmm. every single semester, um, they have been lacking. And again, that may have changed over the last 15 years. I certainly hope so. I haven't kept up on it because, you know, I've been doing other things. But I certainly hope that there are more robust opportunities now for students with disabilities to study abroad. Um, because again, it's, I think it's a crucial part of foreign language education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is um, Mobility International USA. Mayusa, mm -hmm. um, you're familiar with them? I am. I actually, so a friend of mine um, at the time, well, she's still a friend of mine, but at the time she had a very close friend who worked at MIUSA. Mm -hmm. um, and I talked to her about it and, you know, she gave me some resources and she really helped me get started in where to look for opportunities to get me there. Because I mean, that's what they do. They, 
they help students like connect with resources in those countries to make their trip enjoyable, really. Right. And she pointed me in, in some good directions. I just wasn't able to make any progress with those connections just because I didn't really know. I guess I, I didn't really know how to effectively work with them. You know, I said, I'm, you know, I have a disability. I need care a certain number of hours out of the day and all of these things. So I'll tell you the, the cost for caregivers for a semester was going to be like 10,000 euros or 13,000 euros. I mean, it was a lot of money and that, that's way more than the cost of an actual semester abroad. But you did, through your power soccer involvement, I know following you on Facebook, you've traveled abroad, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe even though this is not Germany, I'm curious what that involved and how you made that possible. Because potentially, I mean, that could also be a roadmap for um, studying abroad, even if it's not a year, but maybe short term. Well, I will say, so, the, the, so I work with a company who manufactures the equipment and they also do the live streams and they hire me to provide play-by-play. -play. And so there is a group of us from that company that go together. And up until recently, one of the folks in that group who is a very good friend of mine would take care of me while we traveled. And so I always had a caregiver with me while we traveled, but recently I started bringing somebody with me to go. Now, I can't ask somebody to pack up their lives for six months or a year and say, hey, come with me to Germany and live with me there for a year. I have a friend now who would say yes, but I didn't know him, you know, 15 years ago because I'm sure if I knew him then, he would have said, yes, let's go tomorrow. So but the, that would have been a very personal connection and something that not necessarily other students may have. And it was, would right. have been really a very lucky coincidence that you had that connection. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if somebody were to go that route, you have to make sure that a, you can, you're good friends with this person. B, you can work in a very intimate environment with this person and C, you can live with this person because being friends with someone is oh, yeah, it's much, <laughs> it's much, much different <laughs> when you're living together and, and you're involved very intimately um, mm. with daily care and things. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it is challenging and I don't know what new resources are available today, but I certainly hope that for students with disabilities like me, um, they have the opportunity to go abroad while they're in school and not have to wait for opportunities outside of school when they may not be as immersed in the language anymore to go abroad, which is what I'm going to end up doing now. I actually, so I was in Finland last summer broadcasting a tournament and there was a team from Austria there mm -hmm. and I heard them speaking and like, I was nervous because, you know, I, I don't speak German every day like I used to, but I was like, all right, well, let me, let me just go try it out and and see how it goes. And, and we were able to have conversation and, you know, all of them were like, wow, your German's pretty good. And where'd you learn it? And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I go through the whole story about, oh, you learned it at the university and, and all this. So, so even 10 years after leaving the master's program, I can still speak German well enough for people to understand me. And it was, it was cool for me because it, it was that connection that I've always been missing. Right. And I get it every once in a while, but I had a whole group of Austrians that were there for the entire week. And whenever we get together, like I tried to speak German to them and then they tried to speak English to me and, you know, but it was fun. It was fun. And I enjoy that. 
Yeah, I do hope. And that's, that's also one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you to bring more awareness of um, like students like you would really want to go abroad, but may not have the opportunity and maybe what could be done for students with disabilities to really go abroad and to have that opportunity. You said you don't really speak German on a, on a daily basis, but uh, what do you think that language ability and that perspective, how that influenced you and your career maybe even? You, you know, I, I've discovered that I have, I actually have a decent ability to learn and retain languages. Um, I've learned this over time because like when I go to South America to work on tournaments and things like that, I always pick up more Spanish while I'm down there. Right. Um, I was in, in Uruguay for a week last year and like I wanted to speak more Spanish and I could feel myself getting a little bit better every single day as I was down there. And so I can pick up languages easier. So my mom is from Korea. I don't speak Korean to save my life. Um, I can, I can curse a little bit. I can ask for cigarettes and water and that's about it. But having that and hearing that growing up and then learning Spanish as my first foreign language. And then I learned Korean and then I learned German. So I, I, I've learned several languages uh, throughout my life. So it's made it easier for me to pick up little things here and there about a particular language, but also it's helped my ability when I do international tournaments. So like I've been to South America, I've been to Europe and, and, and done tournaments all over the place. And there are a lot of international athletes that are out there. My foreign language education has helped me, you know, pronounce people's names more easily, right? People who are from France or Austria or Finland or, you know, wherever, Japan. Just having those multiple languages that I've learned over the years has really helped my ability to pronounce them. I don't want to say in a more authentic way, but I'm going to say in a slightly more authentic way than somebody who maybe has never studied a language before. And I really think that that helps with the quality of my work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I would also say that really trying to pronounce someone's name, I think is just, for me, really, really important to show respect and to connect with that person, really to make an effort to try your best to, to pronounce that name. Yeah, so, so it's like, so for example, there was somebody on the Austrian team, team their last name is Strubreiter, right? <laughs> and like, you know, I could say Strubreiter, but that sounds mm -hmm. terrible, right? <laughs> so Strubreiter is, you know, that's a more authentic way to pronounce their name, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, I could go on and on and on about examples. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Being able to pronounce it at least in a, in, in a fashion similar to their native language is respectful to them, which is why I try to do it as much as I can, because it sounds weird to say a foreign name with an American accent. Yeah, and even worse, sometimes when you meet folks that are clearly not from the U.S. and then they say their name is John, it's like yeah. I know your name is not yeah, John. Yeah. Come on, come on, Steve. I Steve from 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 China. I know you're, you weren't born Steve. Come on, man, get it. And I think it's not just that you are able to speak the other language, but it just helps you communicate with even folks within your community and and talk to people that potentially don't have the same kind of cultural background as you have. It's been really helpful. Again, having a foreign born mother 
and then studying multiple languages and, you know, growing up in the military. Like I, I didn't travel too much globally growing up in a military family, but you know, I've traveled around a lot and I've met a lot of people from a lot of different places. And then with my travels commentating power wheelchair soccer, I have friends from all around the world now, which is uh, wonderful. So yeah, it, it definitely helps out a lot just in my day-to-day interactions as well. In your research, you probably read about a whole lot of cities and and places. And, and I do hope that not too far in the future, you actually do get the chance to go to Germany. So where would you go? What would you do? Oh my God. You know, I still, I still want to go to Regensburg. Still want to go there. Köln would be awesome to, to visit. I think Hannover would be cool too. Hanover, why, why, why Hanover? Because that's this is not necessarily the city people would. No, I, I know, but you know, a lot of people, and, and maybe this isn't true, but a lot of people say that that's where like the most like clean, non-accented German is spoken, hmm. right? In, in that part of the country. So I kind of want to go see it. I don't want to hear it, right? <laughs> I, I know everybody's like Hanover, why? <laughs> right? I know that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You know, what, other, other than clean German, what, what other things are there in Hanover that you I have know no that... idea? I've never been there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, you know, maybe Hanover is not the best place to go. Berlin, obviously, I think would be mm-hmm. a great city to go visit. München, of course. You know, I just want, I just really just want to go travel the country, right? I just want to go yeah. travel the country. I want to be able to go speak German with Germans and then, you know, have them either say, wow, your German's great or like talk smack about me behind my back and like, look at this American guy trying to speak horrible German. <laughs> I am, I'm a hundred percent sure that that wouldn't happen because I do think that if you do try, Germans are really open and, and appreciate that. Of course, it really depends on where you are because in Berlin, Berlin is so international at this point that sometimes it's even hard to speak German because everyone just speaks English. And sometimes it's, it's, you have to push speaking German mm-hmm. because otherwise people would, would just speak English to you. But I think in general, people <laughs> maybe are I'll really- just go to Bamberg then. Bamberg, that is that is a very beautiful city. Uh, why why Bamberg? I don't know. Well, so there's a beer, the Rauchbier. That's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I oh god, I love it so much. So Bamberg would be a great place to go to. You know, have some Rauchbier and maybe speak some German to folks. We already spoke quite a bit, and I know you're really busy. But I did want to take this opportunity to ask you. I remember when I met you the first time, and it's obvious you're in a power wheelchair, you're different in some ways, but very, very similar in a lot of other ways. And I know that for, for some people, and, and I, me included, if I meet someone who's differently abled, I sometimes don't really know how to approach that person and, and try not to offend. And I always found it very easy to connect with you and just to connect and talk. Mm-hmm. And, and I was wondering for someone listening who doesn't have the experience and what you would like listeners to know and kind of also how you feel and, and how to approach you. And maybe I don't want to do like the do's and don'ts, um, right. but I think it is important to, to have a conversation of kind of how to maybe approach someone who's differently abled and, and, and maybe what to do to also make you more comfortable and to kind of start that conversation and just, I don't know, be mm-hmm. normal, I guess. 
Well, I, th- I think that's it. I-, I think you just answered the question. Yeah, yeah. Right? Those last two words that you said yeah. it- it- is the exact answer to the question. I, I think yeah. what happens, and you know, I can only speak from my perspective, but people see me and they're, they automatically start thinking differently, mm-hmm. right? And I understand it because I look different. And so, so when people look different, you act different. Mm-hmm. But if, if people can understand that, you know, while I do have needs and I, and I, I do require people to help take care of me, that doesn't change, you know, the fact that, you know, I get up every day and I have legs. So I put one, you know, one leg in, in each pant leg at a time. And, you know, I eat breakfast just like you and in all these other things, you know, you, you may feel uncomfortable shaking my hand or, or whatever. And you don't know how to like, talk to me. Should you knee down? Should you stand up? You know, do you need to look at me at eye level? You know, all, all these questions start populating in people's heads about, Oh, how do I, how do I handle it? Just handle it like you would the cashier at the grocery store, unless you're a jerk and you don't like cashiers, <laughs> but uh, just, you know, just, just handle it like you would handle anybody else, your coworkers, you know, that you work with your, your teammates, your, you know, your relatives. Right. I mean, just handle it the same way. And, and it's okay. I think most of us, most of us are okay with people asking us questions. You know, people say, hey, can I shake your hand? Mm-hmm. Right. Because people don't know. People just don't know. And I think that's where all of it comes from. You know, the fear and the uncertainty comes. From yeah. Also offending, problems. offending right. and, and doing the wrong thing. And so I think that's where a lot of people maybe also potentially don't approach you because instead of approaching you and, and having the fear of offending you, they don't. They would rather not yeah. deal with the fear and, and just put it aside, of course. And, and I think it, it really comes down to, and this isn't just with disability, but in general, people are afraid to ask questions because it makes them vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right. It, so when you ask a question, you are, you are, you are signaling to other people that you don't know the answer. Right? Yeah, you expose yourself and you, that you're you uncomfortable. Right. And a lot of people are, are, are uncomfortable with that discomfort. And so they just choose not to ask questions at all and just move on with their lives. When I think a lot of us could be better served by just getting over yourself and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably find that the reaction from the other person isn't what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a general rule in general, general rule in general. <laughs> but I think that's a good kind of summary also in like when you approach someone from a different culture, if you're not sure, just ask and, and have a conversation. Um, because I feel like oftentimes what you thought in your head is not necessarily what it what it's like in real life. Exactly. Do you have any last words, anything that you want to share? Any? Um, yeah. So when I was trying to study abroad, I did work with DAAD a lot in trying to um, um, find resources and get connected. And they were, they were great. Um, DAAD was extremely helpful in trying to get me the resources I needed, or at least point me in the right direction, even though I ultimately did not um, achieve what I wanted out of it. Um, the, the folks there were extremely helpful and friendly and willing to help me with whatever I needed. Um, I guess at the time I didn't quite know what I needed, but they helped me as much as they could. So I really appreciate um, all of the help that they gave me then. 
I appreciate the work that you all do now in trying to strengthen and, and close those cultural gaps between our two countries. And so, yeah, thank you, DAAD. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. And so you did recently start your career as a, as a voiceover, um, what would you call that? Performer? Artist. Artist. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the resources you would like to share? Maybe someone to contact you if they do have some work that they may want to hire you. Um, they can reach me on my website, tonyjacksonvo.com. There's a little form on the website. You can reach me there. Uh, again, it's Tony, T-O-N-Y, jacksonvo.com. And I will include that in the show notes so okay. they can just, I can just link to that directly. Yeah, I have, I have professionally produced demos on my website. You can listen to them and, and if you like what I sound like, you can reach me through my website and we can talk for sure. This was my coffee connection with Tony Jackson. You can contact Tony via his website and the link is in the show notes. All content is created and edited by me, Honey Geist. If you would like to get in touch, just send an email to podcast at DAD.org. Stay safe, healthy, and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.